Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 1. We'll go through verse 12. If you don't have a copy of the Pew Bibles, you'll find one in front of you on page, I think it's 1100. And it begins like this. When the uproar had ended, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, said goodbye and set out for Macedonia. He traveled through that area, and if I were you, and I did uh, myself, underline the next few words, speaking many words of encouragement. To who? To the people. And he finally arrived in Greece where he stayed three months. Because some Jews had plotted against him just as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to go back through Macedonia. He was accompanied by, and this is where it gets a little tricky, got a lot of titles here. I'm going to blaze through them, see if I can do it without messing up. Uh, Sopater, son of Pyrrhus from Berea, Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derbe, Timothy also, and Tychicus and Tromepheus from the province of Asia. I guessed on almost all those pronunciations. Verse 5. These men went on ahead and waited for us at Troas. Who's the we? It is Luke writing here. Verse 6. But we sailed from Philippi after the festival of the unleavened bread, which would have taken place after Passover. And five days later, joined the others at Troas, where we stayed seven days. Now we read about a very interesting account. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. First day of the week would have been Sunday. The church began to worship God on Sundays after Jesus' resurrection because Jesus' resurrection was on Sunday. So the first day of the week, Sunday, became the day of worship for the church. And to break bread didn't just mean that they ate together. It also meant that they took the Lord's Supper together. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, he kept on talking till midnight. Preachers are prone to do that sometimes. There were many lamps in the upper stair room where they were meeting, meaning it's getting late. we got to light this place up because Paul doesn't know how to land the plane on this sermon. Verse 9, seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus, who was seeking and sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. That's why I like having y'all stand. I should preach the whole sermon with you standing because if you fall asleep, we're going to see it happen just like this fellow right here, okay? When he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Verse 10, Paul went down, threw himself on the young man and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He is alive. Then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. After talking until daylight, he left. The people took the young man home alive and were, and if you're underlining, maybe you'd underline this, greatly comforted. This is a reading of God's word. You may be seated. At this time, we, ha- we do have kingdom kids, so we invite all of our children who are four years old through second grade to head to our foyer with our kingdom kids workers. They're going to take them next door to our education building right over here. And downstairs, they're going to have a chance to learn and worship God at their level, and they can be picked up from that same place after the service today. I want to share a quick announcement with you before we pray, and then we move into what God has for us today. Easter is just a few weeks away. Can you believe that? Um, as of today, it's what, two weeks away? Am I getting that right? It is right around the corner, y'all. So we are really excited about Easter here at First Baptist Kennedy. And what we're calling uh, kind of a theme for this year's Easter service is Comeback Sunday. For two reasons. One is that we want to encourage our church family who has been absent to come 
back. We want to see those faces that have been out for so long to feel uh, invited and encouraged to come back. Now, I understand not everybody's in that place just yet, but with COVID-19 cases getting down very low and, uh, you know, things are improving, we thank God for that. We think it's time for that comeback. And so I want you to look around you and take notice who would normally be here if we rewound the clock one month or one year and one week from today, who would normally be here in the worship service with you, take note of that and consider encouraging them, hey, why don't you come back and worship with us on Sundays and be a part of the fellowship uh, in person. And so we've got cards for you to help you do just that. You'll notice we've got some cards here on the table, we've got some cards back here where the lamp is, we've got some cards in the foyer. Pick, pick one of these up, but actually I want you to pick up two. Because I don't want you to just pick up the one to encourage those who haven't been around to come back. But I also want you to pick up another one so that you can encourage those who have never come to come hear the word of God. And hear about the second idea behind Comeback Sunday, which is that Jesus made the greatest comeback that's ever been uh, recorded in human history. He came back from death to life. And that resurrection that we celebrate on Easter is worth inviting people to come hear about. So... You get two cards, take one to someone who hasn't been here for a while and invite them to come back. Take another one, invite somebody who hasn't ever been here, or maybe it's been a very, very long time, and encourage them to come and hear about the comeback of Jesus from death to life. Okay, so that's my spiel, all right? There we go. That's my big announcement coming up a couple weeks. Grab two of those cards and put them in your pocket, put them in your wallet, your purse, hang on to them. And see if God does not bring up some opportunities for you to use those. All right. So what I want to do now is I just want to pray. And then I want to take a look at what we find here in Acts chapter 20. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come to you this morning needing to hear not a word from me, but a word from you. Father God, we are claiming the promise of Jesus that where there are two or more gathered in his name, that he would be there with us. That, that Father, in some way, as we read in Acts, that the church gathers on Sunday to worship. And in that fellowship, you show up. So that's what we begin as we look deeper into your word. That's our request that you would be with us in a profound way, that we would feel your holy presence here with us. And I believe we have already up to this moment. So Holy Spirit, continue to minister to us. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, continue to be present with us. And God, our Father, change us from the inside out because we've encountered you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the two places I encourage you to underline form the structure of today's message. Paul, as he traveled through an area, he was speaking many words of encouragement to the people, verse 2. And at the very end, we find that this young man's family were so relieved, overjoyed, that they brought their son home, that they were greatly comforted. These two phrases stand out in this passage to me because what they tell me is that the Apostle Paul had a ministry of encouragement and comfort 
One of building people up. And one of calming people down. Now what's interesting that you wouldn't necessarily notice when you read this passage is that the word he uses to build them up, the encouraging words he uses, encouragement, and the experience of this family after Paul's miraculous uh, event that he brought this young man back to life, the word there that they were comforted, you wouldn't notice in this English translation, but those are actually the same exact word in the Greek, parakaleo. Now, I'm not a Greek scholar. Some of you know this, that the New Testament was written primarily in the Greek language. Uh, it was koinonia. It was kind of the, the common language of the day so that common folks like you and I back then could read and understand the Bible in a language they understood. There was some other, uh, another language in there used, but primarily it was koinonia Greek. And so the Greek word here, again, I'm not a Greek scholar, and let me give you a little side tip. If you ever want to kind of get into this a little bit, if you go to blueletterbible.org, you can actually go there and it'll break down, it'll do it in King James. So you got to have a King James Bible and whatever trans translation you normally use, if it's not King James, to kind of follow along, okay? But if you go to that website, it'll break down for you and it'll show you what all the words and phrases are in the original language. You can click on a little thing and you can get the actual definition of those words or phrases. And you know what? I think you can understand the Bible perfectly fine without blueletterbible.org, okay? I don't think there's any problem there. But if you ever want to dig a little bit deeper, that's a way to do it. And sometimes when I get focused on a word or a phrase in a, in a passage of Scripture, I like to go to that website and I like to kind of see what, what, are the, what are the actual Greek words behind this and what does it mean? And so when I kind of just got fixated on these two words, encouraging and comforting, I wanted to understand. So I go to the website, plug it in, and I find out, wow, it's the same word. And this is not terribly unlike English language. We can use the same word in different contexts, and it means different things. Right, And by the context, you can figure out, well, when they said that word, it means this. We just do it secondhand nature. And so it's the same kind of thing happening here. The word parakaleo could mean to encourage or it could mean to comfort. It could mean to encourage, which is a way of building people up. And we see that in Paul's teaching. Now, a little bit later in the story, we see Paul teaching, right? Preaching. Midnight. All the way through. I mean, it's a long sermon, so I don't want to hear any of you complain. Come on now. Come on. We don't have to light a lamp for you to stay here late. This is a good setup. I mean, I'm going to be done in 20 minutes, tops. So hang in there. This is nothing. But we see that's one of the ways that Paul encouraged people is he would teach them the word of God. He would point out to them the word of God. And in fact, this is what Pericaleo encouragement points out to us. It means to call to one's side in order to address or to speak in the way of exhortation, entreaty, comfort, or instruction. It's to say, come over here and let me encourage you. Let me exhort you. Let me, let me share an entreaty with you. Let me give you some instruction. Let me, let me open God's word and help you from the word to be encouraged. In that sense, parakaleo means to admonish, to exhort, to beg, to entreat, to beseech, to instruct, to teach. If you go to that website and type in that address that I just gave you out of, out of Acts 20, it'll tell you all those words, right? 
And then if you're like me, you've got to look some of those up because I'm not exactly sure what that word means. That's a fancy word. I'm not sure. So I've got to look that up in the dictionary. But you can break it down. You can really begin to understand that when he was encouraging them in the early part of Acts 20, he's admonishing, he's exhorting, he's teaching them the word of God with a lot of passion. And we see that happen later in the story. Why? Because he knows I've got one shot to share with them everything I've got. I'm going to unload both barrels. Here we go. Here is the word of God and how it points to Jesus. And he's given them everything he has all the way through the night. I get tired in a 30-minute sermon, and so do you. Just imagine. But Paul is so passionate. That's what admonish, exhort, entreat, beseech. What do all those fancy words mean? It just means there's a lot of passion behind what he was saying. He's saying, this stuff's important, y'all. I've got to just get it all out because I know I've only got this one night to talk to you about Jesus, and I want to give you everything I've got. So what does Paul do? He builds up. He encourages, specifically through teaching and preaching the word of God. But also through his ministry... He's able to bring comfort. Now, this is the same word, right? Encourage is parakaleo. Comfort is parakaleo. Same word. Different context means it's a little bit something different. So when you get down to this story of this man who, this young man who falls out the window, Paul goes down and just, you know, wraps him up, and, and, and God uses him to bring about a miracle to bring this young man back to life. And through Paul's ministry, we find at the end of this passage that the young man's family, they, the people, so I'm saying family, but in reality it was all the people gathered there. The people, verse 12, took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. Same word, greatly comforted, comfort, same word, parakaleo. And in this sense it means to console or to encourage to strengthen by consolation and to comfort, to, re to receive consolation, to be comforted. All those stuff you'd find if you went to that website, typed in that verse, and you would see that's what paracleo means, to bring comfort or consolation through encouragement. In Paul's ministry, not only did he bring encouragement through the preaching and teaching of God's word, but through his ministry he brought comfort. And you see this family and this uh, this group of Christians, maybe you could say it was a church, they see this miracle happen and they are comforted. And, and, I, don't, and I thought about that, I thought, well, what was it that brought them comfort? I mean, it's kind of obvious, right? I mean, they were, they were relieved. Oh, thank goodness that this young man that we know and that we love, is he's alive. Maybe they were comforted because they realized all this stuff Paul's saying is true, and God just confirmed it through this miracle. Maybe that was the comfort. Maybe the comfort was to know, look, God cares about that young man. He must care about us too. We must be important to God that he would do this. Maybe they were comforted because this was a foreshadowing that death, physical death, is not the end. Just as it was not the end for Jesus, it's not the end for us either. Now, truth be told, the comfort probably is all, or at least mostly, found in this reality that someone they loved and cared for who was dead is now alive. Point being is this, is that through Paul's ministry, they received comfort. And 
I'm going to get to this at the end, and I'm going to ask you to be just a little bit courageous at the end. I want to prepare you now that when we hit the invitation, we're going to do something a little bit different, and I'm going to ask you to be really honest and be willing to uh, step outside your comfort zone a little bit, okay? And all the people watching on Facebook say, thank goodness I'm not there. But you're going to miss out on something really good. So, But I encourage you to participate if you're at home as well. But before I get there, what Paul is doing is encouraging. He's building up. And he's comforting. He's calming down. Through his ministry, he's doing both. Now, I think there's... The way in which Paul does this is through the Holy Spirit and God's people. The way Paul's ministry is building up and calming down is through the Holy Spirit and God's people, okay? And I think this is really important because we know that we need encouragement, right? We need encouragement to keep going, to keep moving forward, to not give up, to keep progressing, to not let our sins weigh us down, keep us down, and keep us from moving forward with the Lord. We need a great amount of encouragement to be faithful to the Lord, to not give up. We need that kind of encouragement. We also need comfort. We need, we need the comfort to know that it's going to be okay. That it's hard and as difficult things might be right now. There is a silver lining to the cloud. There is light at the end of the tunnel. There is hope. We need the comfort that only the hope of Jesus can bring. I know this because I'm a human being like you, and so I too need encouragement and comfort. I won't forget uh, in my last church, it was my first opportunity to be a pastor, and it was a real challenge for everyone, okay? Not just me, and not just the church. We were all trying to figure out how this was going to work. Now, you have to understand, I came from youth ministry. And in youth ministry, it's a wonderful thing. Josh gets to do youth ministry here. It's a wonderful thing. You can tell a kid, hey, listen, you got to sit down and shut up. You're interrupting me. Stop it. You can say to that same student, you need to wake up. You can even throw stuff at them, soft objects, mind you, okay? But you can even throw something at them to wake them up and get them to pay attention. I learned you can't do that as a pastor. It's a really bad idea. You can tell those students, I'm going to have to talk to your mom, your dad, your aunt, whoever you live with. We're going to have a conversation about your behavior. Can't do that as a pastor. There's all sorts of downsides, right? So I'm trying to figure out how to move out of youth ministry into pastoring. I also left a church plant, and I'm coming into an established church. I left a church plant that was a few years old, and if it doesn't work, you change it today because you won't be here tomorrow if you don't, Right? So we, we had this kind of crazy flexibility where we did whatever we needed to do to keep moving forward. And I move into an established church that is leaking people for a decade and nobody knows. And there's no sense of let's, let's do what we need to do to reach people, right? And I come in with that mindset that if it's not working, you got to change it today because you won't be here tomorrow, right? And I come from the northwest where I was involved in a church plant to south Texas. Let me tell you, those are, those are different places, not the same spot. Different culture, different people. So we're all trying to figure out how do we make this work? And it was a challenge for them and for me. And there was one fellow in our church. He was the chairman of our deacons. His name was Bill Hartman. 
Bill passed away how long ago? Two years ago, Marcia tells me, about two years ago. And Bill would come in my office, we would sit, we would talk, we would visit. Bill built me up and calmed me down more times than I could tell you. Like he would have had, he could have easily had criticism. It was there. It was absolutely there. But he built me up and he calmed me down. And we all need that. Every single one of us needs the kind of ministry Paul provided in a ministry of encouragement. And a ministry of comfort. A ministry to build us up. And a ministry at times to calm us down. And I think there's two things that happen in this story that I think are important for us to see. How he did that was through the Holy Spirit and God's people. Okay, so this is really, you know, when you study the Bible, you just, you see parallels, you learn things. It's very interesting. And at times it can be really exciting. You like put pieces of a puzzle together. You know, have you ever put a puzzle together and you got a missing piece or or two, you know, some important key pieces. You're trying to put it all together and can't quite figure it out. And then you find that missing piece under the couch and you're just like, yes, thank you, Jesus. Here we go. And you put it all together. And you know, that missing piece, you know, it can be really exciting when that happens. There's a missing piece to this that I think is so exciting to see. Is that, see, there's a word, parakaleo, that we've been talking about that means to call to one side in order to encourage and comfort, right? That's the word. But there's another word that comes from the same root word that is paraclete, paraclete. And that's the name given to the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes, like in throughout John, John 14, 16, verse 26, 15, 26, 16, 7. You can go back and listen and get all that, okay? But the, the word there, paraclete, when used in regards to the Holy Spirit, is often translated comforter or advocate, Get the idea of comforter. What's an advocate? Someone who stands beside you, right? Someone who comes along beside you. Same idea with the word parakaleo. To come alongside in order to exhort and encourage or in order to comfort and calm down. We get this idea that it's the Holy Spirit that comes alongside us, which is such great news that this paraclete, also comes alongside us. See, there's, there's moments where we need that so desperately. I just want to say, don't be afraid to cry out for the encouragement or comfort that only the Holy Spirit of God can provide. There, there are specific moments that come to my mind where I've been so low and I just say, God, I need your help, please. I need some encouragement. I need some comfort. And guess what? God provides. But what we see is, and my experience has been, and probably yours too, is that the way he provides is often through God's people. You notice that both kinds of encouragement come through God's people. God's, God used Paul, right? How did, the, how did the folks that he was traveling town to town get encouraged? Through a person. Paul, right? How did this family experience the comfort of their, or, or the church family at least, experience the comfort of this young man coming back from death to life? It was through Paul's ministry. 
And in fact, it's not just Paul, but if you were paying attention, it was a little hard to kind of catch it. It's where I was trying to get the, all those names, at least make it, you know, make it through without stumbling. You know, that little part of the scripture reading. You're like, yeah, how can we forget? You mis- mispronounced like three of those at least. No, you didn't know how to pronounce them either. I'm not even worried about it. But, <laughs> but the point is, is it tells you, look at all these people that are with Paul. And they're from all over. Five locations you count. Galatia, Derby, Berea, Asia, Macedonia. At least five places. Who is around Paul? Paul is giving the encouragement. Paul is giving the comfort through his ministry. But it's not just him. Look at these people that have surrounded him. So what I take away from that is that we need the encouragement and the comfort from the Holy Spirit, and often the Holy Spirit comes through God's people. Then when God knows we need encouragement to get moving, to get going, to not give up, He sends God's people into our life to help us. When He knows that we're struggling with heartache and grief and disappointment and our hearts are just breaking and we need the comfort that only God can send, how does He send it? He often sends it through God's people. So here's the part that may take a little bit of courage for you. I said, I want you to be willing to say, I need one of these things. I need the encouragement to keep going and press on, or I need the comfort to deal with the loss and heartache I'm facing. I I want to challenge you to be honest, to say, I need that. Maybe one of the two, maybe both. Maybe you need some building up. Maybe you need some calming down. Maybe you need a little bit of both. But I believe you came in here just like I did, needing something from the Lord. And I think the way he might just provide that something for you is through the people seated around you. What would it look like to share with the people nearest to you what your need is? what the encouragement that you are seeking is, what the comfort that you are desperate for is, would you be willing to do that? I have no idea how to do this, okay? I thought about it, and I thought about, well, we'll do this, we'll do it that way. I want, my nature is to make it as least obtrusive to you as possible. And I understand we're still dealing with COVID and all this stuff. But uh, I'm trying to figure this out in real time, which is not a good idea. But I really want us to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, to allow the Holy Spirit to challenge us in this, okay? So I want, us, I want to pray, and then I want us to have a time of invitation. What would it look like for you to express your need for encouragement or comfort to someone near to you? And in fact, uh, what I think I'll do is encourage you to do that, but also say maybe you're not comfortable moving around. That's fine. Maybe you're not comfortable leaning over. That's fine. Maybe we could even have a moment where we close our eyes and we kind of do the old camp thing. And you just put your hand in there and I can know who it is that is in need of encouragement and comfort. And either I or the staff or someone that I know that you know that will be a good encourager or comforter to you, could reach out to you this week. But I, let me tell you one of the things that I don't like. I don't like preaching a sermon and saying, hey, that was great. Let's go home. I mean, it's better than that was bad. Let's get out of here. Okay, that's way better. But the point of the word of God is to challenge us to act.
We talked about that in our small group this morning. That don't deceive yourself just because you heard a word, just because you've read the Bible. Don't let that deceive you. You've got to do what it says, as James put it. So you may, in this time of invitation, feel comfortable enough to lean over to someone near you and say, I really need encouragement. I'm having a really hard time in my marriage, in my job, or with a particular sin. You may not feel comfortable with any of that. I understand, but I'm just giving you some examples. Or you may say, I really need some comfort. We experience loss, disappointment, and I just, I need some comfort. Would you pray for me? Okay, let's say you're not willing to do that. And I understand. I totally understand. Well, what I also could encourage you to do is, is if we all kind of respect this, to just spend a moment silently and that you might raise your hand and say, I'm in one of those two groups. You don't have to put both hands up for both groups. Just one will do. Just put one hand up and say, I'm in one of those groups. I need encouragement. I need comfort. And then if I could just take a snapshot and say, okay, that's the folks who have their hands up and I'm going to reach out to them or I'm going to make sure someone reaches out to them this week to encourage them or to help bring some comfort into their life. Because realize I'm not making this up. All the encouragement and the comfort that I see in this story is coming from the Holy Spirit through God's people. Right? Through God's people. And we need to do that for one another. But it's going to require a little bit of courage. Okay? All right. So that's what we're going to do. Because last, last thought here is because when God comes to us, he does not come to us outside of, uh, how to put this, he comes to us in a person, Jesus Christ. That's how he comes to us. When God the Father wanted to encourage and comfort us and, and help us in the midst of our failure and our sin and marching towards death and hell, what did he do? He didn't send a memo. He sent a person. He sent Jesus, his son, God in the flesh. And that's why, you know, as I think about like this whole Easter thing and Comeback Sunday, is because God did not intend for us to worship on Facebook. It's a great alternative. But he has put us in a body. He's put us together. We need each other. So that's the invitation. It's an invitation to do that. And it's hard and it's awkward. But someone's life might be changed because they had the courage to say, yep, that's me. I need some courage, but I need some comfort. And that someone else might be selfless enough to say, I'll give that word of encouragement or that word of comfort. So let's pray. Let's ask God for the courage to do.